Christ died for your sins, rose again on the third day, and if you repent and trust in Him, God will forgive your sins. At the moment, you're like a man on the edge of a plane, 10,000 feet up, and he's going to flap his arms to save himself. It's not going to work. He needs to trust the parish. And at the moment, you say, I'm a good person. I'll be fine on Judgment Day. No, you won't. You're not good. You're like the rest of us. Trust in Jesus Christ alone. Transfer your trust from yourself to the Savior. I will. Does that make sense? It does. Do you have a Bible at home? Yes. Now, you're not laughing at me anymore. Is that because you're thinking seriously about this? Yes. I appreciate that. Salt is a preservative. It preserves things from spoil and decay. And light dispels darkness. And Jesus says that we are that city set on the hill. We are the light of the world. And God commands us to uphold justice, to be light in darkness, and to preserve the culture around about us from spoil and decay. It's actually a command of God that Christians not only preach the good news of salvation and redemption, but that Christians are the ones that stand as the salt and the light and the force to preserve justice in the world. All right. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So excited to be doing this today, and thank you guys so much for joining me today. Uh, my name is Josh Lucas, and I am the Director of Youth Ministries at First Reformed Church, um, and I am just so excited to be bringing you this brand new show, a uh, show that... Uh, that has been born out of the uh, the former show that we did before, The Gospel Truth. But now we are revamping it, and we are calling this new show Solomon's Porch. Solomon's Porch. So we hope and pray that you guys are blessed by this show and are really excited about it, because we are too. Um, it's been quite an amazing ride, especially as we've been uh, you know, going through uh, all the different things. Uh, that we've been uh, going through with the show and the episodes and things like that and just seeing how, how well the show has been going uh, for the last few months. And uh, But we were still kind of wondering, what can give this show the big, big boom factor, right? How could we even make this show even more than what it already is? Um, and one of the big things that my wife Hannah and I talked about was the name uh, because we did some research and we were looking at other stuff and we came to the realization that the gospel truth is not only another name of another podcast but it's actually a popular name for other christian podcasts and things like that so the name was a big factor there and so as i was starting to rethink you know what else can i call this what else can i call it what else is it uh, and i finally came to the realization of a name that had always stuck with me and that is solomon's porch um, and ironically, because I'm from uh, California, uh, I actually got my first and only tattoo at a tattoo parlor in California called Solomon's Porch. Um, and so that, that name just always stuck with me. And so now today, uh, uh, I want to share that with you guys and, and really revamp this show and to kickstart this show. Um, so here's, you know, wh why Solomon's Porch and what does Solomon's Porch have to do with the Bible? What does Solomon's Porch have to do with Christianity as a whole? Um, well, quite a lot, actually. Even though Solomon's Porch really isn't talked about a whole great deal in the Bible, it's actually a very 
um, a very important and a very a very amazing place um, in the Bible and within the world today. Um, so we really see Solomon's porch in Acts chapter five, uh, in verse twelve. Uh, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. So essentially, that just means Solomon's porch. Um, and so what this what this area was built as was just a a huge area like a huge building um, with uh, with a roof with pillars with walls everywhere and this was a place uh, that people could gather and the priests can gather and they could preach they could talk they could perform all their rituals and things like that and the offerings things like that but then eventually. It became a spot where Jesus himself actually went and taught a lot of different things uh, uh, to the disciples and even to the other Jews as well. And then eventually, as we see in Acts chapter 5, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit comes and essentially establishes the first church, um, Solomon's porch becomes an area where... It, it becomes an active spot of ministry, an active spot of healings, but also preaching in Jesus's name. So it, it's a, it's essentially a spot where people would go to discuss theological things and they would preach and they would get healing for something that they had going on. So it was a very special place. Um, and so that's why I wanted to call this podcast Solomon's Porch. Um, so unfortunately, I couldn't get the URL changed without deleting everything, and I don't want to delete the former episodes with the gospel truth because they're just so good and so powerful. But from now on, it's going to be called Solomon's Porch. So that's where we, we change the logo, we change the name, we change the description, but the host is the same, I'm the same, uh, and the content is going to be a little bit different because now I want to focus more on the difficult tasks. I want to focus more on the difficult uh, ideas, or not ideas, but the, the theological issues of the day and uh, controversial issues of the day. Um, because that's what I also came to realize too with you as the audience. Uh, that is something that you guys really grabbed a hold of was when we were talking about the difficult things or talking about the more uh, deep theological things. That was something that you guys really loved and enjoyed. So hopefully we'll push out more of that content and you guys will... Uh, will enjoy it a lot more than what you already have. But I, I, I honestly thank you all of you who have been faithful to, to listening to the podcast over the months. Uh, thank you guys for, for following and subscribing. But please remember that we can always use more. Um, I would really like to do this more and more, especially as a youth pastor, um, someone in ministry. Um, I would really like to get uh, get more guests on the show, to have conversations, to maybe even have debates or things like that. So please make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, uh, share the episodes as well. So let's just get this more out there um, and even to your churches as well. Uh, if you really like the conversation, if you really like what I have to say, uh, 
I would love to talk with your pastors, talk with your elders or deacons, or just you in general or anyone uh, about the, the content and about what we're talking about. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today. So right now, the very first episode, the, the very first uh, controversial discussion I want to have uh, on Solomon's Porch is I want to tackle the issue of fake Christianity. Um, because this, honestly, I believe is a cancer and, and I truly do mean a cancer that is coursing through the, the health of the church and not only just the church, but society as a whole. So one of the biggest things that I, that I feel like why this is happening, um, and why I call it a cancer is because I've, I've found too many people that have came up to me and told me, <clears throat> well, you know, Josh, I can't call myself a Christian, but I do consider myself spiritual. I was like, what? What does that even mean? And people can't even explain it to me. They go, well, I know that God exists and I, and I do believe in him and I believe in Jesus, but I just can't, I just can't buy into the Christianity thing. And I, I'm like, what, what Christianity thing? What are you talking about? What Christianity thing are you talking about? Well, and typically what people will say is that they can't buy into the hypocrisy of the church. They can't buy into the fact that, you know, Christians, you know, they come to worship and they, 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 they hear this message and they preach, you know, that they love their neighbor as themselves and they do this and they do that and yet they act completely different. You know, they, they judge me because I'm a drug addict. They judge me because I dress too weird or I, they judge me because I'm this or I'm that, which are not bad claims or they're not like not important claims. Of course, you know, we, we shouldn't be, uh, condemning anyone. Right. Uh, but the question that I usually have for the people, especially when it comes to the, the judging and the condemning was, well, okay, how, how does the church judge you? You know, how do people in the church judge you? How do, how has that happened? And nine times out of 10, I would say maybe, maybe eight, eight to nine times out of 10, I get the same response, which is, um, well, I got told that I, that I can't do this. I got told that I, uh, that, uh, that I can't get drunk, that I can't, you know, have sex outside of marriage, that I can't, uh, do this or do that. Or people were treating me different because I confessed that I was doing this or I got caught with it or whatever. And so I want to talk about that. Yeah. 100%. I mean, and I have a background in that. I, I have a background, a family background. Uh, that's essentially what happened to my family when we were a part of a church when I was a little kid. Uh, you know, my family confessed to something and, uh, and the church completely, uh, as my mom and dad put it, turned their backs on them and condemned them, essentially, you know, uh, and said, you know, oh, well, your, your son's, uh, your son's sicknesses and diseases and things like that, they're happening because of your sin. And this is God's, God's punishing you for this and that, and all this other crazy stuff, uh, that, that, that really drew them away from wanting to go back to the church. Um, so I'm not discounting that that doesn't happen, but 
but how was it conducted? Was it done out of accountability? Was someone coming up to you and telling you, like, yeah, you can't do that. That's something you can't do as a Christian. That's sin, you know? And also, the other part of this thing, too, is that, you know, for you to say that you can't come to church because other people are judging you or condemning you, that's a very judgy statement, wouldn't you say? That if, that, that, that if you can't come into a church because you feel judged, you're judging that, that organization. You're judging that group of people. So what's with the double standard? Right, and so this is what needs to happen, okay? And and I and I and I want everyone to hear this, and then I'm going to get into the the actual discussion of like false Christianity. But what people need to understand is this: the church has been established to one to preach the gospel, okay? And to, in order to preach the gospel, you have to offend people, okay? The gospel is not a unifying message. Okay, the gospel is not an inspirational message. Okay, it brings you hope, but it, it's not meant to be like a Philly goody goody two shoe message. It is a message that you are a sinner and you need to repent, and then that ultimately gives you hope that, oh, okay, yeah, God does love me, God does care for me, and things like that. But the gospel is not. The, they'll just make you feel good so then you can go out and do it again and God will forgive you and God's going to love you no matter what you do, blah, 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 blah. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you so that you could be forgiven, but not so that you can just go out and do whatever you want and continue to sin and continue to live in your sin. No, Christ died so that you could be forgiven so that you can go to heaven. And this doesn't mean that you can never sin again because that's physically impossible. Only one person, only one human being ever did that. And that was Jesus Christ, right? God himself became a human being so that we could be forgiven, right? But... The church was established to preach the gospel, okay? And that's what the church needs to do, is they need to preach the gospel, right? The second one is to come together as a collection of body and believers to encourage each other and to preach the gospel to each other, right? To hold each other accountable, right? To do life together, okay? That's what the church needs, needs to do. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us to not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but come together, pray for one another, confess to one another, uh, build each other up, right? Now, of course, you know, every church is different and every, every body has a different, uh, different, uh, different thing that they offer and that's okay. But to sit there and say that you feel judged when you come into the church, okay, how? How do you feel judged? Okay. And, and this isn't to discredit your feelings, but ultimately, if you're feeling judged because, uh, because you feel like, you know, no one's coming up to you because of something that you did. That's not judgment on the church. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. 
That's conviction by the Holy Spirit. That's not judgment on the church. Because, unfortunately, there are people, like my wife, who their first response or first reaction to new people is not to, Oh, hey, hello, good to meet you, let me start this conversation with you. Unfortunately, that's not the case with some people in the church. They have to get to know you first, or you might have to make the first move, right? But churches also need to be accountable in this too. They need to have people that they're that they're that is their strength. They need to set them at the front of the door. That yes, this is the first person that you, that greets you. These are the people that are going to start the conversation. And oh, hey, so how many kids do you? Oh, you're a stay at home mom. Oh, perfect. Well, come over here and meet Jacqueline. She's also a a stay at home mom. Hey, Jacqueline, this is Mary, and and here you go. Get to meet each other, and great seeing you, Mary. And I'll I'll talk to you a little bit later, or whatever. And then boom, life is happening. The church is building up, but you can't walk into a church with with convictions and go oh well everyone's judging me everyone hates me i i don't feel welcomed here i don't feel welcomed here well how do you not feel welcomed what needs to happen in order for you to feel welcomed because maybe the holy spirit is not even if i know the holy spirit drove you to that specific church for a specific reason I don't know what that reason is, but don't just walk in there, look around and go, yep, I feel judged. You just walked into the building. Now, of course, if you walk in there and you tell someone, yeah, I'm struggling with, uh, with alcoholism. Oh, well, alcoholics go to hell, so you're not welcome here. Goodbye. Okay, yeah, run away from that church. <laughs> you know, or at least tell an elder, tell a pastor, uh, the, the pastor about it. But yeah, that's a big red flag, you know, but that's the one thing that really bugs me about, about Christians or just about people in general about the church is that, uh, when, when the church does not treat them the exact same way that they want to be treated, they immediately cut off that church and go, well, that church is just very judgmental. That judge is, or that, that church is very condemning and I'm just never going to go there again because they didn't do what I wanted them to do. Well, this is a two-way street, people. You we have to understand that, right? That not every church is perfect. Not every church is going to be the same. You know, yeah, some things offer other things and that's fine. But why... Are you going to the churches that you're going to? And then why are you discrediting the churches that you're discrediting? You know, and of course, yeah, there are valid reasons. There are, you know, the pastor's a false teacher. They're teaching a false gospel. They, they, uh, they are actually condemning. They actually do, you know, if you're not wearing a suit and tie, or if you're not wearing this, you're not wearing that, you're not welcome in there, or you have to sit in the back, you know, they're racist, they're whatever the case may be. There are churches that are out there. I'm not denying that by any means, but are we really going to judge the entire church because of the exceptions? We have to under, we, we have to think about that, right? So, what does this have to do with fake Christianity? Okay, and I'm not saying that the, that the people by any means that the people that feel like that they're judged by the church are fake Christians, but I have to ask this question. Okay, is what do you believe that a Christian is? What makes you a Christian? 
Okay, because just knowing that there is a God or believing that there is a God, believing that there is Jesus is not enough. Okay, the Bible is very clear on this issue. You cannot just know that there is a God because guess what? Everyone knows that there is a God. Everyone knows that God exists. You don't believe me? Read Romans chapter 1. That, that It explains everything. Paul puts it so clearly in Romans chapter 1 that everyone knows that God exists, but they suppress the knowledge of him so that they don't want to live for him. Right? So that's what we have to understand is that, is that everyone believes and knows. Actually, let's not say believes. Everyone knows that God exists. Everyone knows that there is a God. Okay? But what makes us saved? What makes us saved? Okay? And I want you to hear this. Because this is, this is a very important, uh, very important passage here. So this is the parable of the sower from Matthew chapter 13. Um, so the sower came out and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had, had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. All right, so... Everyone's heard of this parable before, but I really, th I, I I really believe that that people just overlook it, and they just immediately think that oh yeah, that's because I, I I'm the I'm the last I'm the last uh, soil, I'm the good soil, right? They just immediately assume that they're the last soil. But Jesus explains what each of the soils mean. If you jump down to verse eighteen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the word... Uh, or this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and in another thirty. So, this is this is the ultimate test, right? Is, you know, how much of a Christian are you? right? Are you a devout follower of Jesus Christ, right? And this is a good explanation to, to give yourself a test. Now, let's just say that you're taking this test right now and you think to yourself, oh yeah, I do this, or I'm, I'm actually the second soil or, you know, whatever. There's hope, okay? This is not to condemn you. This is not to say like, oh, you're going to hell because you do this. You need to repent and you need to make a change, but that's why I'm doing this. That's why I want to expose this, right? That's why these conversations are so important, right? So, uh, so yeah, so which one are you? 
You know, which one is, uh, you know, the one that just, you know, you hear the word, but then you're like, I don't know what that means. And just, you know, if I don't understand it, it obviously means nothing to me or this sounds like hokey pook and whatever. I'm just throwing it away. Right. <clears throat> you understand something just because you hear something, you don't understand it right away does not mean that it's not true. Right. I mean, I mean, I have a degree in Christian studies. I study the Bible. I got a degree in it. I'm going to seminary right now. I've listened to, to, to countless sermons and countless conferences. I've studied the Bible. I've studied textbooks. I've studied all this stuff. And I still have things that I have to look up in the Bible. Right? And it's not to say that I don't understand it to the point where, where I'm not saved. It's the point of going, okay, well, I don't understand this, but I'm going to go find the resources that I need to try to find the answer to this thing that I don't understand. Right? But do you actually care? Do you have a deep love for God's word and for God himself that you want to know more? That you hear this thing that's like, I just, this is way over my head. I need to find out. I need to find out how in the world do I understand this? How can I learn about this text? Right? Uh, the, the, the second one. As for what was sown on, uh, on, on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root. The, the, the tribulation and the persecution, okay? This, is one, this one is very important because I really feel like this is, uh, this is where a lot of the, of the non-Christians are sitting, or at least like the false Christians, the fake Christians, right? Is that... You know, they, they come to church, they come to worship, they come to this, they come to that, and they study the Bible, they do whatever, they hear the devotion. Yeah, 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 awesome, 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 woohoo, yeah, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. But then once tribulation or persecution comes along, right, and, and, and not just the extreme tribulation or persecution, I mean, yeah, it, it will happen, but, but even when it comes to conviction, Right when it comes to a challenging point in Scripture, and someone goes, "No, no, 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 that's not for me. No, 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 my Jesus would not say that. Nope, my God would not say that. Nope. You know what? I'm not even gonna. I know what's in my heart. I know what's in what what God has told me within my heart, within my soul. I don't even need to read this Bible because this isn't this isn't God's word or whatever the case may be. That's not." Christianity. That's not a devout follower of Jesus. Because here's the fact. Jesus himself said that if you if you truly love me, you will obey me. You will obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Right? So do you love Jesus? Do you love his word? Right? And then, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So, I really feel like that this is probably a majority of false Christians, right? The the, the ones who hear the word, and they, you know, they're, they're on fire, they hear it, they respond to it, yep, cool, cool, cool. But, this is when it comes down to, uh, you know, sacrifice, you know, uh, you know, are you willing to sacrifice uh, time? 
You know, are you willing to sacrifice time with your work? Are you willing to sacrifice time uh, with friends? You know, whatever the case may be for the church and for your family even, right? Um, because I, I really do believe that that the world has essentially taught us how to be extremely selfish, right? They especially do this a lot with women, right? Women are in such a huge battle and such a huge war right now that we as men are, are in a battle, in a war that we have never seen before in our lifetime as men or a history of men. But that's where we have to be stronger than ever, right? Because society is trying to teach women that do whatever makes you happy, right? Because guess what? This is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. This is exactly what Satan did to Eve, right? Because Satan did not tell her, um, he did not tell her what he needed to tell her, but he told her exactly what she wanted to hear, right? Not what she needed to hear, what she wanted to hear. And he knew that. Scripture tells us that, that he was so crafty and so smart that he knew exactly how to talk to Eve. But then what happened? Adam was right there. Adam stayed quiet. Adam stayed silent. Adam acted stupid. Adam acted because he wasn't being a man, right? He wasn't protecting his wife. He wasn't protecting her. And that's how the fall happened, right? So we have to understand this, is that we cannot continue to live for our truth in quotation marks. There is no such thing as our truth. There's only such thing as the truth. And if we don't believe the truth, then we're going to be in mass chaos, which, <laughs> FYI, that's where we are in society today. You want to see chaos? Take a step back and look at America, right? Or even look at the world. But more specifically, let's just look at America, right? So I I have a lot of viewers, or not viewers, but listeners. I have a lot of listeners that are from different countries, right? Guarantee you, how many how many of you guys look at America and you laugh, right? Because you're looking at the things that we're doing, right? America was at once the most powerful and richest country, and maybe it is right now, maybe it's not. There's a lot of people that debate it, but that's not what I'm going to debate right now. But I'm just simply saying that we're the laughing stock of the world, right? And why? It's because we've abandoned the truth. It's because we have now adopted the, the concept of our truth. Live your truth. Do what makes you happy, and that's you. Live your life. Do you do you, boo. And that's it. And men, leaders, pastors, fathers, husbands, we've just gone, eh, whatever. And that can't happen no more. We have to stand up for our wives. We have to stand up for our kids. We have to fight for our kids and for our wives. And how do we stop this? Very first thing, guys, it starts within the home. That's where it starts, is in the home.
All right, so I went on that tangent for a little bit, and, I, and that'll be another episode. But back to fake Christianity, okay? What was sown on good soil? This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, okay? Now, of course, this is not something to where you, you, you again, you, you read the word, you hear the word, and you immediately know what it means. No, that's not what this is saying, right? Okay, this is simply going, oh, wow, you know, you hear the word of God, you see the word of God, this is beautiful. I don't really quite understand it, but I'm going to go do more research to try to figure out what this exactly means. My wife and I, we have so many discussions about the Bible, especially when it comes to the Old Testament. <laughs> Last night, her and I had this very long discussion on baptism, right? And this is not to, to say like, oh, look how Christian we are, look how great we are. But that shows the fruit of my wife and I's faith. Is that is that it, it, even though there are things that we're like, ah, I don't really quite understand it, but we know where to find the answers, right? And there, we're, we don't know everything, and we're not going to know everything. We're not supposed to know everything, because if we do know everything, guess what? Now we're God, right? And that's not going to happen, right? So quit trying to make it happen, okay? But ultimately, uh, back in the book of James, if you fast forward to the book of James and you see what what James, the half-brother of Jesus, mind you, uh, says about Christianity and says about Christians in general. James chapter 1 verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Right there. There it is. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right? But why be a doer? I, I thought we weren't saved by our actions. No, we're not. We're not saved by our actions. But I want you to hear this. James 2, 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So faith by itself, so faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So we're not saved by our works. But it's the fruit of our faith. Right? James himself says that someone says uh, that, oh yeah, well, I have faith. I have faith, and look at my works. And James says, no, 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 no. Uh, let me show you that I have faith. Look at my works. And then, and then that'll reveal that I have faith. Do you see the difference? Right? And this is not to, you know, do not gloat about this, right? And that's not what James is doing either. 
Right? But he wants to honor and glorify Jesus in everything that he does, just as Jesus commanded us to do. Right? So that's what we have to understand, is that here in the Christian life, it's not going to be easy. Okay? It's not going to be easy. You know, in fact, when we come to Christ, it's going to be difficult. Okay? But we can't look at the here and now. Right? The sufferings that we go through, the persecutions that we go through, the troubles that we face, th th we don't look at the here and now. Right? We look at eternity. We look at what's going to happen uh, eventually. You know, we look at what's going to happen in the future, right? Because here's the thing, church and brothers and sisters, I, I want you to hear this, is that the, the gospel is not the, the, the big Joel Olstein type gospel, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, God wants you to be so happy, right? And if you just accept Jesus into your heart and you give money and you do this, God's going to be for you and God is never going to let you go through anything bad. And if you're going through something bad, then maybe you're not doing something right. You know, it's just like, what, Joel, what are you talking about? Right? And that, and that's the reality of the Joel Osteen, the, the prosperity gospel, is that the they preach the gospel to prosper, right? But prosper how? They prosper in the here and now, which is why, you know, they do campaigns to get private jets, and they do... Uh, you know, campaigns to buy bigger houses and more stuff, right? But that's not the prospering that we're talking about here in the, in the true biblical gospel. We're prospering with souls. We're prospering with being in heaven with our heavenly Father for all of eternity. But we need to first repent. You need to repent of your sins, because that's what's weighing you down. That is what's separating you from God, is your sinfulness. Every single person is a sinner who needs God's grace. So you need to first recognize that you are a sinner. And that you need to repent of your sins. Turn away from the world. Turn away from your sins and trust in Jesus for salvation. As soon as you do that, he paid your fine. You're done. You stand before God, Jesus punched the ticket. But don't use that as a, as a crutch for your sinfulness. Because you may be able to fool every other person in the world, but you're not going to be able to fool God. right? So there comes that warning that, 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 that if you are a true Christ follower, you have to actually follow Jesus every single day. Right? That's why Jesus said that the cost of discipleship, the cost of being my disciple, is that you must deny yourself. You must deny your sinfulness, pick up your cross daily, and follow him. And so that's what we, we, we have to understand that. Is that that we, we, we can't continue to live in the way that we have been living with all these uh ear-tickling messages and all these, you know, surface-level messages that, that, are, that are there to inspire you or to make you feel good about yourself. Like, wh what? That's not what Jesus preached. That's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus talked about 
talked about how that if you if you don't repent, you're going to perish. Jesus talked about that I'm going to suffer and die for you. The death that I'm going to receive, you deserve. But I love you. I care for you so much that I'm willing to go through that so that you don't have to. So I hope that you believe that. And, and that's why we have to be on the lookout for those false Christians. And, and, and uh, Jesus even said it himself in Matthew chapter 7, that you will be able to, to tell a good tree by their fruit and a bad tree by their fruit. Right? And so it's not just a simple, like, you know, clothes or appearance or anything like that, but their fruit, meaning what? Meaning their actions. How are they, how are they acting behind closed doors? How are they doing this? How are they doing that? And again, it's not, you know, that they can never sin, but are they a drunkard? Are they, you know, are they addicted to pornography? Are they, you know, constantly having sex outside of marriage? Are they a murderer? Are they a drug dealer? Whatever the case may be, those people need grace just as much as we do right? But we have to hold them accountable. We have to be able to tell them the truth that, hey, guess what? You're going down a path of destruction. You're going down the path of hell. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be forgiven of your sin. I want you to experience the love and the grace and the freedom that I have experienced and that I experience every single day and that I want to see you in heaven with me at the end of all this nonsense. I want to be able to hug you in the kingdom of God, standing before God himself, and, and we're just dancing, we're rejoicing, and we're praising God together. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Away from sickness, away from disease, away from death and destruction, but peace, perfection, holiness, all these things are going to be surrounding us in heaven for all of eternity. Give up that life of the world and live for eternity today. That's what we need to be teaching people. That's what we need to be preaching to the lost, to our friends and our family, especially those who are caught in their sinfulness and are caught in the lie of to live your truth. There's no such thing. There's only one truth. There's only one way. There's only one Savior. And that is the Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I want to thank you guys so much for, for, for listening today. And I hope that you enjoyed the message. I hope that you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe it. Make sure that you, uh, that you follow this podcast. And, uh, and just make sure that you're sharing it with your friends and your family. I would really appreciate it. Um, and uh, just as always, be on the lookout for the new episode. And also look out for, uh, for the next installment. Uh, my wife Hannah and I are going to continue in, uh, in bringing them the, uh, the episode episodes of reforming marriage um with uh, with hannah and i and so be on the lookout for that next uh, next episode so my name is josh lucas this has been solomon's porch and as always be safe and make good choices have a blessed day